The reading of the scriptures from Genesis chapter 1, reading verses 3 to 31. A lengthy passage, but as with all scripture, worthy of our devout attention and hearing and faith. So I invite you to hear the word of God here in Genesis 1. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and separated the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And so it was. And God called the firmament heaven. And there was evening and there was morning a second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And so it was. And God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together he called seas. God saw that it was good, and God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, upon the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning a third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And so it was. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the firmament of the heavens. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the cattle according to their kinds, and everything that creeps upon the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a sixth day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our uh, text this morning is a display of the uh, great attributes of God that uh, form really uh, the importance of our faith. Uh, The reason we worship God is because of the majesty of his attributes, and he's now, Genesis 1, hanging them, if you will, uh, before us that we might uh, ponder his majesty and his greatness. Um, The essential part of the text is that the creation is uh, formed and filled from the chaos of uh, chapter 1 and and verse 1. And uh, it's the majesty of that account. Uh, There's judgment and God is going to fix it. He's going to fill and form uh, the the creation and uh, turn uh, the chaos into that which is beautiful. And over and over again, we will return to this theme in Genesis because um, the sons of Adam will return the creation to chaos and God will raise up subsequent Adams to restore order, ending finally in the last Adam, uh, which is our great Redeemer, uh, Christ, who, who of course does not fail and uh, cannot fail. So... Uh, God's going to restore order uh, from the judgment on the fallen angels and uh, teaches us immediately that God is the only answer to judgment. Uh, There's judgment in the world. Uh, That judgment is present. It is intensifying. It will manifest itself in the fullest of intensity in the last judgment. Uh, And God is the only answer. Uh, So, Moses is reminding us of what God is able to do from judgment. And there is, as I mentioned, a display of the majesty of uh, the divine attributes. The account of uh, days one to six is a reversal of the present state of being without form uh, and void and empty, as well as the presence of darkness. Uh, And God begins uh, to create light out of darkness. The sea and sky on the second day, a fructified earth on the third day, uh, the great luminaries uh, for day and night, the fourth day, uh, creatures for water and air, the fifth day. Again, we see here uh, creation ex nihilo, the Latin phrase, out of nothing. Just speaks them into existence. Uh, And then, of course, for the earth preeminent, the sixth day uh, being, uh, being man. And it's all accomplished by divine fiat uh, with the divine word. Uh, in each case, there's an announcement, uh, God said, followed by a command, let there be, 
And then there's fulfillment, and it was so. And then a divine evaluation. God calls it good. Uh, at the end, he says it's very good when he's finished. Uh, it's reminded to us again that God has total mastery over everything he's doing. And he affects that mastery by his word. That's why it's so important to grasp the theology of salvation uh, in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, the incarnate son of God who comes uh, to affect a new creation uh, because uh, a, a return to uh, darkness and that which is empty and uh, with that form. It's also important he does it just as display of his power. Uh, there is no other creator but our God. Uh, he alone is able to create by simple divine fiat. I mean, I love, I love it when it says, and, and God said, let there be, and there is. Uh, and then he blesses it with a divine pronouncement. Uh, divine power because he doesn't need any resources. Uh, he simply speaks. Display of the preeminence of his will as being total supreme. Uh, I believe he's the only being in all of the universe that has free will and is able to affect uh, what he wills. Good reminder of the nature of the God that we serve. Uh, and how really impotent we are. We will lots of things, and many of them come to pass, and many of them do not. It's impossible with God. What he wills comes to pass because of who he is, because he alone is able as the sole creator, and that he can begin again and again and again, and no one and nothing can thwart his will. It's the importance of the continual study of the fall that we will brace in chapter 3 that will continue on and on, but God is able to begin again until he stops with his last Adam, his son, our Savior. And there are no rivals and there is no resistance. He has no peers and therefore he is the only God who is is who is who is unique, uh, and there is wisdom as he brings beauty and order out of the chaos of verse one. Also, a reminder that God is purposeful in what He does by extending His presence and the divine word from heaven to earth. He's also the sole sovereign and incomparable, as evidenced in the naming of the creation uh, as an expression of his dominion over the creation. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 5, the prophet says, To whom would you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? It's a nature of uh, the fall that even continues today, uh, making God uh, equal with creatures. But he has no equal. He has no peers. Uh, and his dominion is universal, encompassing the entirety of the creation. Uh, it's also, uh, when you look at the creation, it's the display of his love. He has no need but makes man his vice-regent and blesses uh, man. Look at, if you will, uh, verse 28. And God blessed them. Expression of his love. created man in his own image. 
And he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule so that uh, man is to be a vice-regent of God uh, on, on the earth and to expand his presence by filling it and advancing, if you will, the boundaries of uh, the divine sanctuary of the Garden of Eden. Uh, it is uh, oftentimes referred to as a cultural mandate that falls to the church. Uh, you and I are to do the same, to, uh, to advance uh, the dominion of God in the sharing of the gospel and the Great Commission. Uh, interesting to me, and I, I, I say this uh, as a rebuke uh, to our own culture, uh, he created them male and female. Only God can do that. There are a lot of pretenders. They usurp the authority of God. That is incredibly dangerous ground. And what does it result in? That which is without form and void and chaos and destruction. Uh, you read the uh, witness accounts of uh, men and women who go that route and then who repent and come to faith. Uh, they, they describe incredible chaos in their lives. It's reminded to us only God creates. And He creates male and female. And He alone can do that. Uh, it's a reminder that uh, whatever He has created you, rejoice because He has done it. Uh, and we're to image Him in His glory uh, because uh, that is what He has called us to do. Uh, as well, uh, in His love, He shares His communicable attributes in making God is, in making man in His image as an expression of the majesty of God, as a display of the majesty of God. It's the essence of Psalm 8 that has its greatest fulfillment in the ideal man who is Christ, uh, who is the ideal expression of the incarnation and the image of God and who God is. And the creation is His perfection as He was pleased. He stands back from His work and says, and it was good. And then He ends it with, and it was very good. And we should be so pleased. Some guys get discouraged, maybe about some aspect of our lives, and we should stop and think, wait a minute. God created me. God said I was good. Uh, and so, uh, not good in a moral sense, of course, but we can be pleased with the work that he's done. Everywhere in our culture, pe people are dissatisfied. But we shouldn't be dissatisfied with what God has done. We should be as pleased as he is and be satisfied and content as a basis of our joy and the greatness of the divine creator. And, and, and again, as I mentioned earlier, God is also the supreme judge. He's already executed his wrath uh, to follow the angels. He will do so again, the fall of Adam and Eve. Uh, do it again uh, uh, in uh, the great flood uh, until, uh, in our case, it stops the judgment that was executed against his only begotten son. So his grace is that which begins again and again and again to affect restoration. It's our hope. It's our joy. And his goodness is that sometimes our lives seemingly become formless and void and empty, but God makes us 
new. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. We are new creature, new creatures, and that God has created us and made us new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Uh, that is where the beginning again and again and again stops with the spiritual creation by Christ. And that to be in Him, uh, we are uh, the new creation uh, that will extend the majesty of God uh, all the way into its fullness and eternity. Uh, the creation account is also a polemic against false uh, religions and gods. Uh, as I mentioned last week, every religion has its creation account. Uh, they are all counterfeit and false. Uh, this creation account is a fundamental polemic against all other gods and all other religions. Uh, we know as a product of the fall that uh, man's fallen nature leads him to worship everything but the one true God. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 23. Uh, speaking of his uh, creature, man, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. That's what man does. Tries to usurp the authority uh, and the sole majesty of the divine creator. Uh, over and over again, we see this in the scriptures. The children of Israel worship a golden calf. But God created all of the animal kingdom. Why would you worship that which is less? Uh, the children of Israel fell into worshiping the luminaries. We do this today in astrology. But God created the luminaries. Why would we worship the lesser when we have the greater? Uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, in verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads them forth, their host by number, he calls them by name because of his greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Imagine the power of being able to name all the stars, all the galaxies. There's dominion over them. Majesty of our God. The Egyptians, among other elements of the creation, worshiped the Nile as the sustainer and giver of life. But God created the waters. He also judged that God, as you know, turns it into blood in the book of the Exodus. Reminder uh, that God is supreme over all the false gods that men create. Uh, in our culture, we have a way of worshiping the famous and the powerful. But God created them and gave them their skills and talents. In Egypt, Pharaoh was a god. God played with him. When he was finished with him, destroyed him. A reminder that those who try to play God will fall under incredible judgment. All over the created order, people worship statues and images and are transformed by them. Uh, the psalmist tells us on two occasions, 115 and 135, those who make them will become like them. But God made us. 
and through Jesus Christ, the last Creator, we're being transformed into His image. Somewhat amused by this trans movement. God does transformation. He alone by His power. His grace and mercy. You want transformation, you go to Him. He alone can transform that which is fallen and broken. He does so by His grace and in His Son, Jesus Christ. Some worship nature as our mother. Genesis 1, God created it. Formed it, fashioned it. Why would we worship nature when God created it? We have a way in our culture of worshiping big government as our provider. I love Daniel chapter 2, verse, verse 21. Is he who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. God is sovereign over presidents and prime ministers and parliaments and armies and navies and air forces. And to His children, He gives wisdom and understanding so that they can survive uh, unscathed in this idolatrous culture in which we live. And our transformation is that we are being conformed uh, into the image of His Son. Where we begin our service this morning acknowledging the ideal man in Jesus Christ. Psalm 8. Ephesians 1, verse 22, all dominion was given to him. Notice he is going to fulfill the cultural mandate of Genesis 1, 28, uh, and that we are, uh, the Apostle Paul tells us uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, uh, for those whom he foreknew, those whom he loved, those whom he set his mark upon in eternity past, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. The majesty of our God as Creator. The, uh, the creation uh, is also a window or tutorial of future judgment and salvation. Uh, men are darkened in their understanding. Uh, and sad to say, uh, they love it so. Uh, Jude writes in verse 13 of his brief epistle, wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the blackness has been reserved forever and ever. God's ability to judge. Call all things under judgment. Particular context, as you know, is that of deceivers who come into His church to transform it. And He's reserved for them a place in judgment. Some of you, I suspect, are make reservations or making reservations for your times of leisure. Maybe a, a airline reservation or a hotel reservation. Um, God has made their reservation in eternal judgment. And He will make it happen. The reservation will come to pass. 
It won't be canceled. He will affect it. Reminded to us as uh, Christians uh, to uh, properly uh, image the great God, our Creator, through Jesus Christ, uh, and to permit such coming into the church. And conversely, we have the continual repeated, repeated theme of darkness and chaos. And God says, and let there be light, and there was light. A restoration and order by the divine word. Uh, I'm turn in your Old Testament to Isaiah uh, chapter 49 and verse 6. one of the great servant songs. Uh, the great servant songs, uh, you and I believe, were fulfilled in Christ, who is the servant's son. And uh, let's read a little bit about him. He says, Is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also make you a light of the nation so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And so in uh, John uh, chapter 1, uh, the Word comes and begins to create uh, light. Uh, John chapter 1, I'm going to read uh, verses 3 to 5. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has not come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The created order now beginning again through Christ who brings light into the dark creation. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not. New American Standard reads comprehended. I believe a better translation is could not overcome it. Everywhere the darkness is trying to defeat the light, but it cannot. In the presence of light, the darkness retreats. I remember a number of few years back, I was on a deer lease in Woodward, Oklahoma. And uh, the rising of the sun, for some reason, is an incredible spectacle in western Oklahoma. Kind of envision the darkness trying to say, no, stop, you know, we're going to keep you from coming, but the light comes. Incredible majesty of uh, our salvation in Christ. Uh, the forces of darkness are going to try to defeat the Son, compromise the Son. They cannot because He's a sovereign Creator too. The majesty of our salvation. Uh, the creative word that uh, is in uh, uh, John chapter 1 is the same creative word that's in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, reminder of the importance of that word. As God began the creation, Genesis 1, so he begins again in the divine word of John 1. Uh, and let's, let's remind ourselves of the importance of that word. Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, the grass withers, the flower fades. It's a reference to men. When the breath of the Lord blows upon them, surely the people are grass. 
We come in the created order, uh, we grow, and there's a measure of physical beauty, and then uh, it almost immediately begins to fade. I have a picture on my, uh, my bedroom mirror for my dresser drawers. High school picture. My what change. I wouldn't say I was beautiful then, but I'm, I'm much, much, much worse now simply because of time. It blows upon it. The people are as grass. And then the, the punctuated, most beautiful reminder. Uh, the grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God abides, stands forever. Right now, the word of the Lord through Jesus Christ, the incarnate word, gathering the sons of God advancing uh, the borders of, uh, of uh, the great sanctuary uh, in light, in light. A picture of it in the candelabra of the tabernacle and temple. And uh, now Christ is that candelabra. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord, the importance of the continual reference in the life of the church of the word of the Lord. Meaning that there is restoration by the incarnate word. And that he will restore us to the pristine beauty and majesty uh, into a sanctuary garden uh, like that that we will study uh, in Genesis chapter 3. When you read the eternal account in Revelation 22, Verses 1 to 2, there's a garden imagery there that's unmistakable. There's a river of water, there's a tree of life, and the fruit of the tree sustains. Uh, that's where you and I, through Christ our Savior, are, are destined to go. Uh, Counter, again, tutorial of our salvation uh, and sanctification in the separation. Uh, Genesis 1, verses 4 and 7. God separates. God separates us. This word is uh, used of Israel's separation from the Gentiles, the separation of priests and holy things in service to God. Uh, and in like manner, we are predestined and set apart to be holy and blameless and to serve Him as priests. Separated, if you will, from the profane a world uh, to advance a divine presence. That's why I don't believe in uh, monasteries and nunneries. There people go and separate themselves from the world. You and I wade into the world like the candelabra to share the majesty of the light of the glories of Christ uh, who is the eternal light. Uh, furthermore, the repeated reference uh, nine times in this text, and God said, is, is a tutorial that we should give preeminence to the, his, uh, his, his written word that we have in Holy Scripture as a source of wisdom and life. Remind you that you and I are messengers of the written Word of God. 
we are not the message. Over and over again, American churches are changing that which has once for all been delivered to the saints. You and I are forbidden to do that. It is God's Word. We are simply messengers of it. Uh, the message, because it's eternally true, as God is true, is immutable, and uh, woe to those who tamper with it. Illustration of the majesty of uh, the creation, uh, uh, John chapter 9, uh, in, in verse 5. Uh, because the Creator is walking in His creation. Uh, the context is a blind man. Uh, and, and Christ heals him. John chapter 9 and, and verse 5. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. He heals the blind man. Akin to divine fiat. Over, over again, the display of the great miracles of our Savior on the earth the display of his ability to fix that which is broken and marred because of sin and the effects of the fall. In, uh, in John chapter 12, verse 36, there's a summons to each of us, believe in the light that you might be the sons of the light. And that is who we are. Uh, we are the great... Uh, uh, candelabra that goes out into the world. We don't sequester ourselves. We go out into the world and sharing the gospel. Uh, because the church is to be light and to image Christ who is the light of the world. Uh, that God uh, might use his word to gather uh, sons and daughters unto himself by his divine power. We live in darkness. Christ is light. If you're here this morning and you know not the Savior, you, darkness owns you. And there's only one way that that ownership can be changed, and that is Christ. Go to Him. Flee to Him for safety. Ask Him to create light, and that is what He does because He is the Creator. Uh, the creation uh, tutorial of the providence of God that God is able to sustain His creation. Uh, six times in this account we read, and it was so, where it came to pass. Uh, this word comes from the verb to establish or to fix. That God can maintain and support His creation to preserve and to, government, and to govern it. God's providence. I'm always uh, amazed by the prophets of gloom and doom um, that the creation is running out of everything. Uh, I listened to one of them a couple Sunday nights ago. Uh, like we don't—I mean, we don't have a chance. Uh, we're running out of everything. Well, the guy's been proven wrong. I mean, he said the same thing. 30 or 40 years ago, he's proven wrong. Oh, we're running out of oil, and all of a sudden we discover incredible and immense deposits of oil. 
And then through the technology and the genius of men that God gives to them, they learn how to frack. And we have more oil and gas. Just an affront to the prophets of gloom and doom. Uh, really, they're meant to scare us that we would go worship uh, the God of big government, but you and I know that we have the one true God who is able to sustain His creation. Uh, providence of God is more holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. The lights will be turned out when he turns them off. So the genius of, uh, of, of the mind that he gives to men to go forth and to discover and uh, to understand and to... Uh, come up with new inventions, the genius of technology uh, that in a free society we, we pursue uh, because they're answers. And ultimately, they're answers that come from the Creator who is God because He gives men wisdom and understanding. It's always interesting to me that these prophets of gloom and doom are always changing the timetable. Because they're always proven wrong. It's also amusing uh, that our, our text in and of itself uh, is a reminder that God is sovereign over evil. Uh, God creates the seas. Uh, we know from Daniel 7, Revelation 13, that evil beasts come out of the seas to do harm to the people of God. Uh, you and I are caught in a climactic struggle against the forces of evil. And Moses is reminding us that God is sovereign over that evil. And so we can trust Him. Walk by faith. Um, because God created the seas and everything in them and therefore is sovereign over them. Notice in the text he created Leviathan. Becomes an image for Satan. Image for uh, uh, the nation of Egypt that will try to destroy uh, the people of God in the Old Testament. And God defeats Leviathan. He defeats the dragon. He is sovereign over the great sea creatures. Um, study Jonah. Swallowed. God commands the whale, deliver him up. The whale obeys because of who God is. Reminded to uh, us ultimately of our great hope. The grave will, uh, barring the coming of Christ, someday swallow us. But God can even command the grave. It's the God that we serve. God of Genesis 1. Finally, uh, our great reminder of God's sovereignty over evil and the dangers, spiritual dangers, in the times in which we live. Uh, Revelation 21, John says, I saw a new heavens and a new earth, and there was no longer any sea. The danger ends. It vacates, never ever to return again. The, uh, the subjective elements of our faith that are so 
critically important to us as Christians are rooted and grounded uh, in, in the attributes of God. Uh, elements of faith and hope and trust, assurance, calmness in a upside-down world, confidence and perseverance among others have their foundation here in Genesis 1. It's why important that we understand properly that God is the sole creator. And in Christ, who is the head of the church, uh, and to walk in a measure of confidence, steadfastness, because we have a great God, uh, a great creator, and a great savior and redeemer is the head of the church, the head of our church, uh, the one whom we come to worship, uh, the Lord willing, uh, Sunday after Sunday. And the one to whom, when we return to our homes, we adorn our homes and our lives uh, with who he is, uh, to represent him, uh, because we're being conformed in his image. Rejecting uh, the world's vain, empty attempts to transform itself, we have the greater trans transformation in Christ. I trust uh, in God's providence and grace. You know him personally. And that uh, because of Genesis 1, uh, you will understand a measure of the majesty of our great sovereign uh, Christ uh, and Spirit and God the Father. And that we are blessed in Him for He loves us. And may we go forth uh, full of joy uh, to expand that presence in the fallen world in, in which uh, we live.